You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading the podcast for Starting Up from the 14th of June. On the programme today, I was joined by the chairman, Neil Petch, as Dubai prepares itself for the launch of the Michelin Guide next week. We decided to use that as an excuse to discuss whether the F&B industry is still a good sector for entrepreneurs looking to make their fortune. We got the perspectives of Chef Carlos Frunza de Gaza from Table at Jamil Art Centre and also Faiza Ajmal, who's the co-founder of The Sweetie Shop and The Burger Stop. And our startup success story this week was Fodhil Benturkia. Now, he's formerly of Souk.com and Noon.com, and he's now the CEO and founder of the health company Okadok. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. I have uh, Chairman Neil Petch uh, in the studio, the chairman, of course, of VirtuZone, who helps uh, businesses set up. Neil, how are you this week? I'm very excited. F&B, it's a topic that is close to my heart. It's close to my heart, I have to say. Uh, There's nothing I like more than a a really good meal out. Uh, And I have to say, I'm rather excited about our current guest, because, of course, uh, with that Michelin Guide coming out uh, in Dubai next week, we have been looking at the top restaurants here in the UAE. Earlier this year, the 50 best organisation revealed MENA's, the MENA region's 50 best restaurants. Six out of the top 10 are located here in the UAE. So it's fair to say it's definitely a good area, a good food scene here. But at the same time, we've got 11,300 restaurants and food outlets in Dubai alone already. So is the city's F&B sector already saturated? Or is it somewhere that where entrepreneurs could potentially still set up? Now, here to join us to have this conversation is Carlos Frunze. He is the executive chef of Table, which is located at the Jamil Arts Centre. Carlos, how are you? Fantastic to have you in the studio. I hope you're very well. Oh, thank you so much. I'm doing really great. How are you today? Well, I'm good as well, actually. Thank you very much. Neil and I have both had our coffees. We're ready to go. We're prepped for this for this show. And we're very excited to chat to you yes. as well. Great. And we're big fans of Three Fills. So <laughs> love to, you know, your involvement started uh, there, but way beyond that now. And, and I think you are probably a demonstration of exactly the question we've been asking, which is when a sector is booming, some entrepreneurs are going to be scared and not want to go in because they think it's too busy. What's your opinion on that? Oh, well, I'll be honest, I think uh, it's always a space for a new new place to be opened. After all, you is the growing country, fastest growing country in here. That's the thing. And I think um, we have a space for a new ideas, a space for a new concepts. It's just a little bit of just need to bring their originality to it. That's the probably most important thing. So everyone says that, right? When we yeah. get people in here, they're going to say, of course, there's a, there's a new angle. But the, the question is actually acting it out. And Georgia, the thing that uh, struck me about a couple of the people that we've got on today is we're we're going to be talking about the launch of a burger store, the launch of a sweet store. And it always used to be about the ingredients. Remember, we were were talking about the price of broccoli two weeks ago. Obsessively. Yeah, now (laughs) it's a little bit more about what's your Instagram page like and and will the Michelin Guide uh, uh, cover you. So it's more sort of PR and marketing. And I've got to say, Carlos, if if the viewers uh, could, could see you now, they'd be 
be wanting to buy it. I think you're the perfect image of a chef. But Thank for you, you what are the what, you know what are the things that you seek to do that sets apart table? from your competitors? Well, first of all, I think what table, uh, because we are the first original restaurant in, in Dubai that uses local ingredients here in UAE. We're using local farms. Well, I mean, we also use the mini region, but our focus is 90% UAE. I imagine we found the salt, Abu Dhabi sea salt. There's a farming sea salt. And we're looking forward to invest more into do uh, our own oils. And like olive oil, I mean like canola oil. And that's what sets apart stable because stable is so focus about not just the local locality of ingredients, but also seasonality of these ingredients. Because we change menu almost every season. Wow. Yeah, that's like four times a week. Uh, four times a year, sorry. Four times Don't a worry, year. Four times a year is plenty. <laughs> and what type of food does Table serve? Is it, is it regional cuisine or are you international? Oh, well, I call my cuisine renegade cuisine. Renegade, renegade, love it. I agree. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's 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 everything. I mean, like I'm a third culture kid, and I I grew up I grew up in here, and I I studied in a different country, and my wife is a different uh, she's a different nationality, and I have a different friends, and you know, it's like everything that I take, and because for me, I'm a more storyteller person, and I try to say the stories through my food that I've tried. And like, if you go to the table, you will see a small card on each dish, and it tells you the stories about it. I remember seeing that. Yes, on Instagram. Yes. Enough. Yes. Yes. And taste and smell are two of the senses that are most powerful. Yeah. Yeah. True to that. Some someone is brings in nostalgia. I uh, actually like. I was thinking. I was reading yesterday about some research about for my new season. I was reading about this phenomenal call uh, of uh, uh, this guy, French guy. I forgot what's his name, but it's called in Lost in Time, a, a novel that he have a seven seven volumes, yes. and one of the volumes is tells about the déjà vu. Like uh, he was eating the small mar- uh, mandolins with uh, coffee and tea and he remembers something and it brings him to the childhood. And that's really powerful. The sense of deja vu. Yeah, sense yes. of deja vu. It's a very powerful force, I think. Wow. There's a brilliant film with Eva Green and Ewan McGregor. He plays a chef oh. and the whole world has a pandemic and they start losing their senses. And obviously as a chef, when I people lose your, your sense of taste, it's a bit of a struggle. But then they start liking the texture of the food as well. So there's, 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 there's hope for us all. There is. The there taste is. in your carrots. <laughs> now tell me, one of the you were ex-group development chef at Three Fails, which is officially Nina's best restaurant. And before that, you've worked on other homegrown concepts in the yeah. UAE. But you've also worked in Paris and London. So can you compare Dubai's food scene now to those two cities? Or do you feel we still have quite a long way to go? I think we're ready, 100%. I think we're ready because after all, we are a melting pot of cultures. And we do have a lot of uh, a good homegrown restaurants and like table, for example. And we do have uh, very good chefs like me and people who actually try to bring their own food and try to bring their heritage into the food. And the, the best thing about it is, is to inter- they integrate their heritage with your e-culture. That's the best thing about it. You can see it like through s- small, small things in the food, small, small details in the menu itself. Carlos, an observation from my perspective, you're clearly projecting to us confidence in what you do and you've got a a journey and I love that. I I will go to a place specifically for the chef. One of the challenges in the UAE and one of the challenges that all of the entrepreneurs listening to this show face is recruiting, is getting the right people. My experience in F&B 
brilliant food, brilliant ingredients, great chefs. It's a growing market. Sometimes the, there's a knowledge gap in terms mm. of the people that are serving you. Beautiful locations, West Palm, all these amazing locations. But sometimes the knowledge of the people that are serving you, not so great. They're serving something uber expensive. They should know an awful lot about it. So how do you go about uh, solving that and making sure that your staff do justice to your product? Uh, well, we do trainings. I'll be honestly, I think the most important for the service for the staff is to, to train. That's the most important thing is to be trained well. And uh, there is certain things. Also, chefs is involvement of training the staff, explaining the food, explaining the ingredients and just explaining the whole philosophy. So do you do that training in-house? Is that you training or do you bring in no, specialists? No, no, we do it in-house. We do it in-house. Mm -hmm. I, we Before launching any seasonal menu, we spent at least a week of training stuff. That goes, we do tests, we do assignments, uh, like homework. <laughs> we give them a homework. <laughs> yeah, but th that's, that's what improves them because after all, we don't really want them to be just a service and waiters. We, in the future, we're growing them to be better. As a, to be a future restaurant manager. And George and I, we're so con absolutely committed to our job that I feel we should come and test this. Definitely. So yeah. where, where, should we, where should we come and test this? I mean, like in uh, the Jamilar Center. Of that's, where you're, that's where you're... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so you've just started this restaurant uh, table at the Jamil Arts Center. You're, you know, so you are an entrepreneur in, mm. in, your, in your own efforts. I mean, what would you suggest uh, are the considerations that most people overlook when starting a food business? We talked, Neil spoken there of the, the challenges of finding decent staff. What are the mm. other considerations, do you think? Uh, I think poor research in uh, customer loyalty. Uh, that's the most important. And uh, not looking for the marketing strategies. No social media. I mean, like social media presence is important. That's the one thing for me. And uh, probably the third one is uh, uh, believing in your philosophy of your concept. That's the most important thing. Because like, like nobody do the philosophy research or philosophy of the concept. They just want to open something. They just want to do something, but they don't go deep inside. I really like that, but I would add to it. It's, it's you believe it. Clearly yeah. you do, right? It's, it's, it's your baby. It's getting everyone in your company, hopefully your, your, your customers as yeah. well, but to start with stakeholders in your business to, to understand it and believe in it as well. So they reflect your values. Well, that's why we have. A, that's why we look for a good people who is actually believe in this value. Because, like for example, uh, our owner Peter, and uh, he's really good guy, and he believes in the future of this country. He believes that we need to, we must to do it. Like we have a last time a meeting, and he told me, he's like, can we do a hundred percent seasonal menu?" And I told him, uh, "Maybe in the future, yes, but at this moment, it's only ninety percent." Oh, so it's knowing your own limitations as well yes. and, and, and owning those, and, yeah. and, but seeing where you can progress. And Carlos, yeah. what about, here's a, a sort of controversial one. What about image? You've got an amazing tat on your, on, your, on your arm there. And I saw that Virgin recently announced that their staff could serve their customers on the planes exhibiting their tattoos. Oh, their so, personal, yeah, so, their yeah. personal so tattoos. Image, yeah. Is image really important when you're recruiting? Is this something that you think about? Oh, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I do. I do. I'll be honest with you. I look at a person who is very passionate about it, yep. who loves what he's doing. And he's not just saying same words over and over again, but who believes in himself and believes what he's doing. Because for me, like, I mean, like for recruitment for us and the chefs, I'm, I don't know about the service much, but I'll tell you in the kitchen, I want to taste his food. I want to taste who he is. I want to taste his originality. I don't want to taste same, same things. I want to taste something he makes different.
One quick final question. Do yeah. you get approached by people who want to start food businesses here? Because you've been in the region for ages. You've got a, a solid CV, a solid knowledge of the region and of your of creating recipes, creating menus. What do you advise people who want to set up here? Uh, just believe in yourself. Do long hours. Don't be afraid doing doing long hours. That's the most important thing. And also stay to, true to your philosophy as a restaurant. as and a, have a, as a concept. deep pockets. That, that is, that is oh, yeah, awesome. that's another one. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, we've really enjoyed your honesty. Thank you very much indeed. We've been speaking to Carlos Frinzi, uh, executive chef of Table, which is located in Jamil Arts Centre. He's got rather an exceptional uh, pedigree because he's been ex-group development chef at Three Phils, which of course is officially Mina's best restaurant on the moment, although I'm sure Table wants to beat that. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. Now, who doesn't love eating out? In Dubai, it's virtually a sport. And there are plenty of food entrepreneurs who have succeeded in capitalising on this and setting up their own business. Now, our next guest started and grew her business on Instagram. And she hasn't looked back since. I've still got Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone, in the studio. Uh, But also joining us is Faiza Kal. Khadija Ajmal, who is the founder of The Sweetie Shop, which is an online store selling various colourful and freshly baked sweeps that evoke childhood nostalgia. And she's also co-founded The Burger Stop with her brother. Both businesses now have a presence at the Ripe Market. You just need to look out for the 40-foot shipping containers that scream fun. Amazing to have you in, Faiza. How are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very well indeed. Uh, All the better to have you in the studio because I'm fascinated to find out how you uh, set up your businesses, why you set up your businesses and what the background was. Let's start with the online sweetie shop. Now, I've heard your creations can get pretty crazy. Can you name some of them and just describe a little bit about why you set up the shop in the first place? Um, So we set up in... August 2020, lockdown in Dubai, so we couldn't travel at all. And I think that's where it started when I was missing all of my UK stuff. So all of my sweets and just going home and having that comfort. Um, At that time as well, I think in the UK, there was a lot of funky bakeries coming up and I was following all of them on Instagram. And I saw that there was a massive market for that in in the UAE, but there was no one doing it. Everything seemed to be more American based. So we started off very small. I did a lot of trial and error, lots of baking at home, lots of eating at home, um, small orders coming in from the UK. And then it kind of just grew from there. Um, In terms of crazy stuff, we have a lot of crazy things. Um, Our menu's constantly changing. We're always trying different things. I think next week we have a jelly baby and jelly top cookie coming out. And that's like full on nostalgia. Um, and our chocolate bars seem to be one of our biggest sellers in Dubai at the moment. They're personalised chocolate bars, full of sweets, popping candy, oh and they're just—they're very cute to look at. The perfect gift. Faisal, you might be the solution to my parents' dilemma because <laughs> my daughter Kira is about to be six. I want to spoil the hell out of her, but I want her to be healthy. So when I read freshly baked. I thought, fantastic. A little bit of both uh, uh, worlds. So what I'm quite interested in is who is your, who's your target market? How do you go about selling more, more of these delicious and, and unique concoctions? So I do think we started off based, trying to focus on the UK market out in Dubai because there's so many. Oh, there's a massive UK community. But 
luckily, it seems like everyone just loves <laughs> sugar. Everyone loves sugar out here. So um, it seems to be like our market's just grown and it continuously grows. We try to cater for everybody as well. So like in Ramadan, we bring in different kind of ingredients and try to focus on different markets and stuff, constantly changing the menu. That's I think that's one of our keys, that our menu always adds new things and we do personalised items as well. So if people are gluten-free, vegan and stuff, we, we will help them out. We will just cater so to them. So two things, taste and what it looks like. If you had to give each one out of 10, what, what would you say? I'd have to say it's both 10 out of 10 for both <laughs> of them. And I'm not blowing my own trumpet. One, I, I'm very visual. I love things to look amazing. That's why my Instagram's very, very full of colour. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. It's completely bonkers. It's so pink. Here, I see what, I'll show you the screen. Oh, fantastic. I mean, so you do these amazing sort of embedded biscuits where you have a cookie, but then you put loads of stuff on loads top of it. Of, it's loads of stuff inside and on yeah. top. And um, so one of our biggest sellers is our lotus fudge cookie. Yeah. Inside it's lotus fudge, and then it's covered in lotus cookie crumbs and biscuits. <laughs> Anything and Little Pony or unicorn-based that I should know about? Um, just Everything. give me a call, I can do it, don't worry about it. I mean, you make it sound really easy. You know, you had the candy, you had the sweeties, you made something out of it, you posted on Instagram. But was it that simple? How did you build it from your sort of the baby business into what's doing incredibly well right now? Um, I wish it was as easy as that. But I think once you, you come up with a concept and you're so passionate about something and you really want to do it, Dubai is literally your playground. Dubai has everything that you could want here. It was just the matter of bringing in what we needed. So, for example, we didn't have the sweets here. We had to bring everything in from the UK. And bringing that into the UK, you need a lot of licences and everything else. So there was a lot of challenges. It was a lot of stress. Imagine Pfizer being, you know, arrested for smuggling jelly tops. Yeah, massive suitcases. Did you just bring them in in suitcases? You're not allowed to do that, by the way. Yeah, we're not allowed to do that. And I'm not going to tell everyone my secrets. But um, (laughs) we we have all all of our licences and we brought everything in. And then it was um, a lot of trial and error and it was then finding the right staff. It was finding people that were representing our brand correctly um, and just keeping up. What do you mean by that? So I feel like you can lose yourself as well Um, in Dubai. It's very hard to maintain who you are, your identity here. A lot of brands tend to just start copying each other and it becomes kind of like like a war zone like literally you're, you're following each other on Instagram you're like oh god they're copying us now we're going to have and to do this and how do you feel as a business owner when someone does copy you I want to cry <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so sweet I'd want to kill them I, I love that you you innovated do you know so. I think again Dubai has such a huge brand culture where people love to follow brands and you have to be different and then you there's been times where you have larger brands kind of just picking and choosing little bits from you. And sometimes it's a setback, but then again, it kind of makes you feel a bit happy that it's, you know, you've kind of influenced them. So I'm going to get in trouble now because we should be going to the news. But very, very quickly, you didn't just set up one business. You've now set up another one, the burger uh, business. That, that is a really saturated market. How did you find your USP there? Um, so... Uh, the Berg Stop is founded with my brother. Um, he's really passionate about grilling and he's always loved it. And we just thought they've kind of 
come together really, really nicely. We have all the desserts, the milkshakes and everything else. And we thought burgers, it just, it's, it's like one huge, just if you want a cheat day, we're here for Guys, you. Guys, if you could see Pfizer smiling now, you would head to both <laughs> She was, yeah, yeah. She's just like, it's the best burger ever. That's it's our so USP. <laughs> um, just really good. We do make sure that Unless it's good enough for us, it's not good enough for anybody else. And my family are massive, massive foodies. Like, everyone that knows us knows that we love to eat. So I'm in serious trouble. Everyone's doing this behind me, which means break, break. Uh, But thank you so much. It's been fascinating to hear your story. And it sounds like, you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of hard work going on. So thank you so much for your time. Faiza Khadija Ajmal, founder of the Sweetie Store Shop the sweetie shop and also the burger stop you know that's that's just there to trip up presenters uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you you're listening to starting up on the agenda on dubai i 103.8 with virtue zone business set up with no regrets now it is time for us to turn our attention to our startup success story uh, this is a feature that we do every week alongside our partners at virtue zone i've got the chairman of virtue zone neil pitch alongside me right here in the studio but uh, importantly i also have one of the youngest and most successful figures in the e-commerce space of the uae we are welcoming to the studio our startup success story uh, fotel ben he is the ceo and founder of okadoc which is an instant online appointment booking system for patients. Fadil, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today. Fadil, it's brilliant timing. We've just been interviewing someone who who delivers sugar to the kids and burgers. (laughs) And now... We can book a doctor's appointment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so. Now, um, how, why did you start Okadoc? Because I know you've got this extraordinary pedigree. You worked for Souk.com. You've worked for Noon.com. They are the biggest dot-com brands right here in the UAE. So obviously anything, any startup you were going to do would, would be good. But you turned your attention to health medicine effectively. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I love the e-commerce journey and uh, solving the, you know, some, some of the problems and bringing a better experience to consumers, being able to deliver products to their home uh, was, was really incredible. Um, I just got to, you know, uh, we work a lot in e-commerce and in most of the tech uh, startups. And, you know, you just work a lot and you get sick as anyone. And I just tried to book an appointment and I just got used to everything digital. Uh, from booking, uh, buying the product online, booking uh, your Uber or Kareem, your, your, your drive, getting your food delivered. And when you get sick and you try to book an appointment, the whole experience becomes, you know, different. And uh, it took me 15 minutes not to get an appointment. Uh, just called during working hours, uh, press one for English, two for Arabic. A lot of time <laughs> if you press two for Arabic, nobody speaks Arabic, but just everybody got the same system. Uh, in place, and you end up not getting an appointment. I just realized that if you can deliver, offer millions of products online that you can uh, get customers to buy in 30 seconds and get them delivered in a couple of hours, why can't you get just an online appointment with your doctor? Right? And this was really a starting point. book, and it's called The Patient Will See You Now rather than the doctor will see you now. So I guess you're empowering the customer, aren't you? Is, is a lot of this allowing the customer to choose someone? Is it, is it based on customer reviews? Yeah, so it's really empowering um, all the customers, right? Uh, because we feel and we, we believe that healthcare is a relationship between the doctors, the healthcare providers in general, and the, and the patient. And we really wanted to build a platform that is customer-centric, where the customer is at the same time the patient, the healthcare provider, as well as the insurance who... So let's say I'm, I'm looking for an ENT specialist. Yeah. 
okay, how would I use your product to help me find the best one for my purposes? Absolutely. So what we've done is search and match was really an important problem that we wanted to solve. Um, uh, we wanted to have really a relevant search results. So for example, we've got search by speciality, by availability. You want to say, I want somebody available this afternoon or at this particular time by location, by spoken language, by um, uh, country of education of the doctor. The UAE population is so diverse, you always want to see a doctor that comes, that understands your background, your history. So, so those filters and uh, capabilities are, have helped a lot the patient in finding most probably a doctor that is really relevant for them. You've come a long way. I mean, you're definitely not a startup anymore. You've partnered with Medcare, MediClinic. Last year, Saudi Arabia's Bupa Arabia has poured money into the business. How many healthcare facilities are you now affiliated with? Yeah, we, we are about 300 facilities uh, in total uh, in, uh, in uh, UAE, Saudi uh, and, uh, and, and beyond, actually. And we, uh, we, we have uh, over 3,000 doctors uh, available on the platform. Uh, we have uh, built a, a, a platform that allows patients to be on the OCADOC platform and see all those facilities, but we also provide white-label solutions that are available on websites and mobile app of healthcare providers and give that same experience to patients wherever they are. So wherever they start their journey, if they start their journey on the website of clinic and hospitals, they'll have this 30 seconds appointment instead of 15 minutes, and they will have it on OCADOC platform marketplace, but they will also have it on the insurance mobile apps. And Fodil, does uh, OkaDoc, does it have a rating system, you know, an out of 10 for, for each uh, doctor? Yeah, so we do capture uh, reviews uh, that we share with the healthcare providers for them to know what patients, uh, how their experience went, uh, what other things they need to improve, so on and so forth. As of today, we haven't um, made those reviews uh, public because we feel that they can be sometimes quite subjective. So I think increasingly we're seeing in, in businesses the Google uh, uh, the Google reviews and the rating out mm. of out of five is increasingly used by customers to help them choose. But as a business owner, it's it's a constant. You know, you want you want to be open and show that you're open. But of course, when you're criticised, it's not such a nice uh, thing. And and particularly, I suppose, when health is involved, it's it's overly delicate. It is it is delicate. I think it's easier to uh, rate uh, maybe a facility service like waiting time. Uh, or, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, some some bad manners or things like that. Mm. But I think when it comes to rating an individual, like a doctor, for instance, it can be quite subjective. And with healthcare, it's quite sensitive. But the customer would certainly prefer it, right? Absolutely. They'd prefer to see an out of 10 rating, whereas your your business-to-business customers would perhaps not prefer it. Uh, so there's your dilemma. You're, you're absolutely spot on, and I think you're touching an important point. We're, we're working on a way to um, provide uh, patients with uh, something that is transparent and fair, uh, but we, what we've done is a lot of research. We really focus on quality, mm. and we, uh, we feel that, for instance, because we're very... Uh, diverse uh, in the region, we see that uh, a lot of people will have different criteria of what is a good doctor, right? Sometimes a good doctor is somebody who gives a lot of medication and some cultures is maybe the opposite, right? So so really finding, you know, uh, those kind of transparent And how do you deal, Fodil, with, the, there's, there's quite a lot of, you know, people know that the insurance networks play a very large part in, in this business. And so they, you know, may view things as, hmm, is this because a certain insurance company recommends this particular product? There's an allegiance or alliance there. How do you deal with that sort of cynicism of the consumer? 
Um, look, uh, consumers, or let's say patients, they, uh, they've got a, uh, a, an insurance, um, uh, basically usually with a company or uh, self in, they are sometimes self-insured, and, and they've got a network, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we really wanted to do is solve that problem um, of giving access to somebody who might be sick um, and have an appointment in 30 seconds. And with the insurance, what we've done is really we provided that white label solution, but that allows the member of the insurance, when they log in, they can see directly the in-network uh, uh, doctors and have the same experience, but only with their in-network doctors. So this is really the problem we solved. We haven't solved the other problems yet, but we're, we're looking I mean, at that. As our sort of inspirational success story, uh, I, I, obviously you're talking from a position a position of strength now. You know, you, you've made it, the company's doing really well, you've got lots of uh, companies, lots of health companies to sign up to your systems. But were there times when you thought that Okadoc might not work? We've never thought that it might not work because we really believe uh, myself and, and the team that, you know, we it's, it's such a rewarding uh, uh, mission and work that we are doing, you know, waking up every day and seeing that millions, you know, of people every year are using our platform and having this time saved. Um, we also reduce significantly no-show. We reduce no-show by up to 75% to healthcare providers. So the satisfaction for doctors and providers is incredible as well. So really, for us, we, we believe that as long as we're solving very important problems, uh, the company should not fail, but we, we always wake up also with the mindset of it is changing so fast. Healthcare is changing. The digital world is changing. We've got to adapt every single day. So we, we keep on our toes all the time. I've got a request yes, uh, on behalf of the UAE population and particularly on behalf of startups where money is important. Mark Cuban just launched a pharmacy uh, brand in, in the States that is charging about 10% what most of the other pharmacies are charging. So let that be your next project. What do you yeah, think? I mean, what is your next project? That's what's so interesting. Are you going to consider that type of... I think maybe there has been some leakage or something like that, but uh-huh. we're working on something. Uh, well, you make sure you set it up with Virtue Zone. For absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, we were going to ask you, what are you working on right now? Is that one of the businesses or have you got several? I mean, because you really are, I mean, one of the most well-known tech pr- techpreneurs here mm. in the UAE. So it's really interesting to know where you're, which, fi- which pies you've got your fingers in, basically. No, of course. Um, look, we at the very beginning of COVID, we were already working just before COVID on, on telehealth and COVID has just, you know, incredibly um, created that adoption and we're really on time. Today, we're working on two uh, major products. One of them is uh, home healthcare, right? So building those technologies that allows you to get your services at home. So we started with the PCR test, working with labs and, and providers and, and bringing that always on time. Uh, experience, but we are taking this to labs, to having doctors, nurses, so on and so forth. So having that technology to deliver healthcare at home is a, a third delivery care method that we're working on. And definitely pharmacy delivery goes with that, uh, especially for, uh, you know, when uh, you already sometimes spend time in the hospital or the clinic, you don't want to wait or queue for another 20 or 30 minutes to get your medication. You must get lots of pitches from aspiring techpreneurs. Do you get excited by their ideas? Have you ever been tempted to invest money in them? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's incredible. We talk to a lot of startups. We try to do, uh, uh, you know, uh, corporations. We try to partner with them. The, the, the energy, the level of ideas that we see in the region, uh, in UAE, uh, in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, in Saudi Arabia, and the overall region is just incredible because 
we've got a such a young population that is mobile first, that is tech first, that so they they they, they kind of you know everybody comes up with ideas and you're like this is fantastic we haven't thought about it right like and and it's uh, it's always incredible we either want to invest or we want to work with them or we always want to interested to uh, to explore partnerships. One of the things I like about your story, Fodel, is obviously data is incredibly powerful, right? And health data about individuals is some of the most precious and that needs to be treated with the most uh, care. But you've got something that you can grow complementary businesses from, right? Is that a deliberate part of your strategy? Yeah, of course. I think data is uh, is, uh, is very important for this daily decision-making, and um, and I think the type of data that we have um, is uh, is incredible, um, especially that we connect with the hospital information system, the EMRs, and we've got you know very good coverage as well um, and, and volumes. Um, we are also very cautious about data, and um, I can tell you we're about to announce it, but we we, we just got the ISO twenty seven thousand one certification in four countries, oh, which Brooke. is a very high standard of uh, uh, compliance, governance, and, and data security. For us, really, before talking or using data, for us, it's very important that it's, it, it complies. Uh, and this is what allows us to work with listed companies, with very large groups, so on and so forth. Uh, that is very interesting because, oddly enough, the one question that we've had in uh, for you on, on, on well, one of the questions we've had in on 4001 is from Finn. She was like, great show. Where are the medical records? So, so that gives you a sense of just how important data protection is in the sort of field of health for, for people. Now, I've been told I've got to wrap it up. I'm so sorry. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you. We could um, we could have carried on for hours, couldn't we, Neil? So Thank much, uh, so much to chat about. Uh, Fodil Benturkia, the CEO and founder of Okadoc, an instant online appointment booking system for patients obviously an extraordinary pedigree uh, worked for soup.com before noon.com uh, and a real pleasure to speak to you sir thank you for your time likewise thanks for having me it's a pleasure now how about that for uh, an impressive startup success story i'm not sure how we're going to be able to uh, beat it over the next few weeks you're listening to starting up on the agenda on dubai i 103.8 with virtue zone business set up with no regrets. Yes, we have got our resident agony uncle, business agony uncle in the studio with us, Neil Petch, uh, chairman of Virtue Zone. And a question has come in from James. He says, since my consulting office closed and the team moved back to the UK last year, I remained here and took a trade license to obtain residency and my old company's subcontract work back to me. The trade license is about 2,000 dirhams. Now, would I be better with a freelancer license? And how do I go about getting one? I work from home. I go to client offices. I have PI and PL insurance, and I write reports and invoice the UK. Firstly, James, you sound like you know what you're doing. Secondly, when you ask someone a question, always think when they're giving you an answer, what's their agenda? I think eight out of 10 people would probably say, yes, absolutely change to a freelance visa because they get to sell you something new. In my opinion, you've got the company, it's existing already, it's got a track record, which is important to banks, important to auditors, important to people that might invest in you in the future. You're only going to save a couple of thousand dirhams by going down the freelancer route. You're not going to be able to get a corporate bank account, which I would suggest is very important to your business. So my advice, stay with it. Okay, so that trade license, 20,000 dirhams, still better to stay with it uh, because otherwise you can't get all of those those benefits that you just mentioned. are not all they're cut up to be most of the time. 
Interesting stuff. Well, Mr. Petch, it's been a pleasure having you in the studio as always. It's been a fantastic programme. Obviously, focusing on the food industry because we've got that Michelin Guide coming out in a week's time. Certainly sounds like the food sector is still a buoyant area, like plenty of room for investment by the sounds of it. The marketing is spectacular and let's face it, that's that's how we pay our tax here, isn't it? We go to F&B outlets. It's true. That's true. Uh, fantastic. That has been an absolute pleasure. Another wonderful episode of Starting Up on the Agenda with Virtue Zone. Thank you so much to all of our guests. It really has been a fascinating programme. I'm not sure what we're going to be doing next week, so I can't tease that quite yet. Uh, we like to follow the news agenda, so we'll be uh, checking we're out. we're going to be fascinating. Whatever it is, it'll be good. And Zena, our wonderful producer, will set up a fascinating starting up success story as well.